Demographic change. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. The 2022 midterm results are in. And in addition to knowing who won and who lost, we're also starting to get a pretty good look at who participated and the demographics, not only of the participants, the people who voted, but those who were elected. And the results are actually pretty intriguing. And here to talk about that is Bradley Sherman. He is the founder and CEO of the Super Age, which is a research and advisory firm. Bradley, thanks for joining us. What jumped out to you about the results? I think the participation rate is the single biggest takeaway from the election. Not only did the general population of people eligible to vote skyrocket again for the third election in a row, but we also saw younger people coming out of mass. And that's the subheading in all of this is that young people are showing up. They're far more progressive than their older peers. And their decisions at the voting booth are really tipping the scale in favor of Democrats and other progressive candidates. Now, as far as that, so that's the that's the participant to the voter participation. What about the candidates? It feels like I mean, you've got a member of the House is he's twenty five years old. Twenty five years old. You got a couple of members of the Senate who are eighty nine. It feels like well, for anybody who wants the elderly and the younger generations to be represented, they have it now. We have it. We have perhaps the greatest age diversity in the history of the U.S. Congress. As you mentioned, Maxwell Frost, a Democrat from Florida is now the first member of Gen Z. And not only is he 25 years old, he's one of the youngest members to ever serve in the House of Representatives. On the other end of the age spectrum, we have two senators now that are both 89. Senator Dianne Feinstein from California and Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa. Senator Grassley just won his election, meaning that by the time he leaves the Senate, if he chooses to after this term, he'll be nearly 95 years old. It's really remarkable. Is that the way our country is going? I mean, the demographics overall of America, are we getting that much older? We're living longer and there's sort of a bulge in terms of the population of people who are you know, over 75 years old now? Yeah, you're starting to see a large growth in older populations in this country. In fact, the statistic is that there's about 10 to 12,000 people that turn 65 each day in the United States. And that means that we're gonna have a larger older population for the foreseeable future. Now, this would have a bigger impact on the election had younger people not shown up to vote. Because there's roughly 10,000 Gen Z's coming into the electorate each day as well. So we're seeing a greater generational diversity than we ever have in our electorate. And it's really exciting for public policy. And it may actually force the generations to get along better than perhaps they have in the past. How so in terms of public policy, what do you mean? Well, right now, some people are referring to America as a gerontocracy because a single largest voter block is the older population. In fact, if you're over 45, you tend to be more Republican in your voting behaviors and tended to be more protective of social welfare programs that benefited you, perhaps Social Security or Medicare. Younger populations want to see those programs expanded. They want to see greater social protection for younger people, for people of all ages. And one of the things that they're calling for is Medicare for all, essentially a national health care system, just like the older population has today. Is there a danger though, and I suppose it's a maybe it's a good danger, but as more younger people participate in the process and, and voting turnout is up, as things, as we know, things in Washington can take a long time. Yeah. Progress is not always as quickly, it doesn't come as quickly as a lot of folks would want. Is there a danger that just as people are participating, they're gonna get turned off faster? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think we've gone through now three cycles starting with 2018, where younger voter participation was up at historic highs. 
Um, this is the third time in a row. And after three times, you stop saying this is just a blip on the radar and you start to say, this is a pattern. In fact, as these younger voters move their way into becoming older adults, middle aged and older, their actual voter participation will likely increase over time. Now, at the same time, we can expect that they'll also become more conservative. Um, there is trending that suggests historically that people tend to be more progressive, more liberal while they're younger and more conservative while they get older. So will those voting behaviors change to be more conservative over time? That's only something we can watch from now on. As you've been digging into the data, what explains the rise over the past three cycles in Generation Z participation, younger voter turnout? I think Generation Z wants to see a world in which they have a part to play in. They have been dealt a significant blow in terms of the, the cards that they have in their hand. Uh, incredibly high costs in education, housing, healthcare. Um, they feel that they're the first generation that might not be able to live the American dream. Um, and because of that, they're pushing back. They also want to see a, a representative uh, and a representative body that reflects them and their values. Uh, that is perhaps why they're electing a diverse slate of candidates, not only in terms of gender, but also race, uh, sexual identity, and even gender identity to the House of Representatives, to the Senate, and to state offices as well. Um, they want to see a country, they want to see a representative body that looks like the country that they live in, not one that's more representative of older and whiter faces. It's also a generation that is most likely to be affected by reproductive rights and those sorts of issues. How big was the Dobbs decision getting rid of Roe versus Wade in terms of spurring a lot of younger voters to turn out? The Dobbs decision was significant. I think across the board we saw that younger people, younger women in particular, were really alarmed by this decision. They don't like to see their rights taken away. And in fact, the long arc of American history is that we grant rights, we don't reverse rights. So they wanted to stand up and fight for those. I think perhaps what is most interesting about these issues around abortion in particular is that these used to be part of the culture war, how we defined as the culture war. And those were largely kept to either camp. They showed up in the debates, but really they never got to the kitchen table. The issue of abortion made it to the kitchen table this time. It made it with the same issues as the as inflation. It made it with the same issues as jobs. It made it with the same issues as public infrastructure. All of these things came together at the kitchen table for the first time. And I think that's why such a large number of young people showed up. We're seeing on the Republican side of the spectrum this civil war that's brewing because Republicans didn't do as well in the midterms as they thought. But it also suggests based on the demographic data in terms of the number of younger Democrats that there may be some tensions that the Democratic Party is headed towards in terms of the progressives, the younger voters who do want things like Medicare for all and want voting rights and then the Senate and the House to be more aggressive versus the more establishment part of the Democratic Party. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, every generation likes to push against the status quo. So this is nothing new. The big difference in this election and frankly for longer term trending is the Republicans tend to be concentrated in more rural areas now. These are red states as we call them. They are rural, they are older, they are whiter than the rest of the country. Democrats, progressives tend to be more centered on the coast in and around big cities or metropolitan areas. The tension that I think that's coming more quickly is the tension between these blue areas and these red areas. Because the blue areas where the younger populations are and the red areas where the older ones are. Um, time will tell how this progresses, but even in the rural states today because of their size, they have an outsized voice in the Senate. 
that's there by design. But that that voice has actually gotten larger over time as the big states, California, New York, etc., have gotten larger in terms of their population, and the smaller states have actually started to contract in their size. So for everybody's worried about the polar extremes getting more extreme in terms of the left and the right, is it fair to say that just in terms of the age differences, the extreme priorities in terms of elderly versus younger, that will also have some pretty severe implications? They could get fired up a bit, but I think there's some there's some highlights here from the demographic data rather that are actually kind of exciting to me. During COVID, 52% of people ages 18 to 29 of the voting population of young voters were living at home with family members. That number's only dropped down to 47% post pandemic. That means that older and younger voters are actually living in the same space together. They're sharing resources together. They're talking in theory about the issues that concern them. In fact, if anything, I think our shift in demographics might be cooling some of the tensions nationwide. We aren't necessarily going to see these extremes in the same manner that we have for the past, let's say, seven or eight years. That's interesting. Was there anything that really surprised you in terms of the demographic data? What resonated in this midterm election and what did not? I think the big highlight for me, and I know it's a bit macabre to say, is that the number of older voters, when we say 10 to 12,000 are entering the electorate each day of older voters, 65 plus. What we see is that actually by the next election, we'll have two and a half million or so fewer boomers in the electorate. Um, that's because people die. And while younger voters are coming in and they're coming in in mass, their voice will actually grow. The question, as I think you pointed out so, so eloquently, David, is that will these progressive values stick with these younger people or will they start the slow march to conservatism? And what's your prediction for that? I think they're gonna keep the progressiveness for a while. Um, during this election and previous ones, around the age of 45 seems to be that magic line where people start becoming a little bit more conservative and a little less liberal. We've got at least one more cycle, at least one more, if not two, where younger voters, those under 45, will play a pivotal role in the selection of the next president and the next US Congress. Uh, I think the next presidential election is gonna be a doozy. Uh, I think we're gonna see incredible voter turnout, perhaps at historic rates. Uh, and that's exciting, that's good for democracy at the end of the day. But it's also kind of frightening in that the reason I think so many people will turn out in 2024 is because they're terrified either of you know, <laughs> Donald Trump and what he means for democracy or on the Republican side because they think Joe Biden's not there. Yeah, people vote when they're threatened. I mean, they they vote for a world that they want, but they definitely seem to vote at least in previous these press previous contests uh, where they feel threatened, whether their rights, their liberties, or even their economic condition. And when they're motivated to vote, they vote and they vote in large numbers. So I think this next election, especially with the president, former President Trump announcing yesterday evening, I think this signals that this will be a doozy of an election that will push even more voters out to the polls. Brown, I gotta ask you before we let you go, is that a historic baseball card over your left shoulder? That sure is. Is That's that the Honus Wagner card, do I have that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. I was a baseball card collector when I was a, when I was a kid, and I thought I recognized that. In any case, Brad, yeah. uh, wonderful to have you on the show. Brad is the founder and CEO of the Super Age. It is a research and advisory firm. Brad Sherman, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Good to be with you. Thanks so much. And that'll do it for this edition of the conversation on behalf of Craig Lowry, Bart Kyle, Gina Kim, Asher Cofield, and the rest of the gang at the Young Turks. I'm David Schuster, a baseball card collector. Thanks for watching.